Well, when do we tell the children? Not tonight. Not on Christmas Eve. Yeah, you mean not on our anniversary. Oh, please, why would you care? You haven't for months, years. Boy, these roads are icy. I was hoping it was just a little snowy. Don't you think the kids know by now? I mean, at least that something's up. Not David. He's too young. Justin asks questions and then just looks at me with those doe eyes, but he's keeping it all in. And Becca? Becca. She's the one I'm worried about. Ah, no. Kids are resilient. If they don't know, they'll understand. It's for the best. For all of us. And and now they'll have two Christmases, right? We'll never even make Christmas if you keep driving like that on the snow. All right, sorry. It's slick, all right? Yeah, I know. Are you sure the lawyer will even be at his office? Look at the weather. It's Christmas Eve. He's still there. I called before we left. The papers are ready. (sighs) That was us. My husband, Jacob, and I'm Marley. It was Christmas Eve day. And we were off to sign divorce papers with our lawyer. Like the rest of our marriage, the conversation in the car that day slowly disintegrated into stony silence and a perceptible distance. You mind if I turn on the radio? It's your car. At 318, let's get you caught up on that weather forecast. And believe me, it's a doozy. We're talking white Christmas here, several inches whiter than we originally thought. This is a Can we listen to something else? Oh, precipitation at help yourself. Punch it when you hear something you like, all right? Then one foggy Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Grandpa's gonna sew the pants off of Santa. Sleep in a hair. A wonderful Christmas time. Don't stop believing. <sighs> Don't stop believing. The song felt like a mockery. The truth is, I'd stopped believing a long time ago. In us, our marriage. And there we were, 20 years later, cruising in sneakers down the slippery road to a no-fault divorce. Three children and the bird would live with me. A dog made too much mess, and Jacob is allergic to cats. As for Jacob, he would move into an apartment after the new year. There wasn't another woman, as far as I knew as far as he would let on. The problems were much deeper than infidelity. I'm done with this road. I'm I'm, I'm taking the shortcut, that's it. Over the hill? In this weather? It'll cut the travel in half. Well, yeah, Nobody takes county line anymore. You'll see, all right? Don't you think we should stay where they've actually plowed? Trust me, for once, will you? (sighs) I wanted to bring up a million little ways I'd tried to trust him. A million little ways I'd been let down. Hey, 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 take it easy. I don't want the kids going to our funeral. Whatever, whatever. For me and Jacob, the passion was gone. Was it ever there? It's hard to remember a fire when the embers are covered with snow. Yes, it existed at one point, but then so did dinosaurs. Now we were miles apart at the same dinner table, in a bitter relational chill, skating on precariously thin ice. Hey, Marley? Yeah? Does uh, snow remind you of anything in the past? Yeah, it's just like our honeymoon. Yeah, yeah. You didn't trust my driving then either, remember? (laughs) 
Jacob, I wasn't worried about your driving. <laughs> I was I was scared that night. Scared? Yeah. Uh, me? I was scared about what we had just done. That it wouldn't last. <laughs> that I wouldn't be the wife you wanted. Yeah, or that I wouldn't be the man you wanted. Well, I guess those fears turned into reality. Yeah. Huh. It just took longer than I expected, I guess. Listen, if it if it makes any difference, I I'm sorry it turned out this way. He almost sounded sincere. I turned and found him looking at me. His hair, once thick and buoyant, had grayed and receded. Crow's feet around his eyes and rosy, youthful cheeks that had turned puffy and wan. Not that his slight weight gain made any difference to me. I always thought he was handsome. I almost forgot. Your sister called before we left. I told her you'd get back with her. I'll call her after we sign the papers. The papers. The papers. The papers. The papers. The papers. When I looked up, we were nearing a curve. And through the haze and blowing snow, I noticed two headlights bearing down on us like our oncoming future. I couldn't scream, couldn't speak. Instinct, his foot to the pedal, steering wheel one way, then the other, fishtailing. Jacob reached out for me. I was out of control. A snow globe shaken and dropped. When do we tell the children? It's a sad question I've heard hundreds of times as I've counseled with couples on the brink of divorce. Hi, I'm Gary Chapman. The story you're about to hear, one that Chris Fabry and I wrote together, is obviously a work of fiction. But there are truths here I hope you'll hang on to as you listen. The reality is, a difficult marriage is never more difficult than during the Christmas holidays. Instead of, all is calm, all is bright, Many couples are just plain hurting, distant, and worst of all, without hope. Maybe that's you right now. Well, here's the good news. There is hope. The Bible promises you that. I think as you follow in the footsteps of Jacob and Marley, you might just find some of that hope you're looking for. On behalf of Moody Radio, let me welcome you to A Marriage Carol. Now, back to our story. I awoke, cold and alone, the keys still swaying in the ignition. The windshield was smashed and the windows around me were frost-covered. It felt like a vehicular igloo. My breath became a fog when I exhaled, and my hands were quickly turning to ice. I dug into my purse and pulled out my cell phone. I could tell the kids we'd been in an accident, and then I'd call 911 there was no reception in the area. Not a single bar on the phone. And of course, the car wouldn't start. I took the keys and set out, lamenting that I wasn't wearing hiking boots. Maybe Jacob had followed the truck, trying to aid the driver who had, no doubt, plunged into the abyss. Jacob? Jacob! Jacob! 
Darkness was coming quickly. Through the trees and snow, I spotted a glimmer of light, a faint glow on the hillside. If it was a house, there had to be a road. Perhaps Jacob had gone there to get help. I slung my purse over my shoulder and started toward the hill, seeing the warm glow of the house in the distance. So I just put one foot in front of the other. It was a two-story home, wide and tall, with one light on upstairs. In the front window stood a Christmas tree with sparkling white lights that could have been featured on the cover of Better Homes and Gardens. The six-panel front door was painted a deep red, with a door knocker in the shape of an engagement ring, or so it seemed to me. I reached out and tapped on the red door. As I did, the curtain inside, which covered the small windows beside the door, moved slightly, and a tiny dog pressed its nose to the glass and barked. Oh, you're freezing! Quick, put this afghan around you here! Standing before me was an older man who brought me into the warmth of the room. Now, what were you doing out there? There was an accident. I can't find my husband. He he didn't come here, did he? No, we haven't had any visitors with the store. No, no, no. no. I suspect he went to look for help or a cell signal. He's probably worried about you. Now, come on over to the fire here. That's it. We'll get you warm and cozy. (laughs) I'll be right back with something to warm you up on the inside. Our teacup Yorkshire Terrier will keep you company. Hey, little guy. Easy. Easy. It's just me. (laughs) Well, it looks like you and Rue are getting acquainted. (laughs) He's adorable. (laughs) This tea is delicious. Thank you. Oh, I think Rue's taking a liking to you. Snuggled right up in your lap there. (laughs) Yeah. But my husband would never let us have a dog. Uh, Listen, do you mind if I use your phone to call my children? Ooh, the phone's been out all afternoon. Uh, Probably ice on the lines. Yeah. And the cell phone reception is almost non-existent up here. Well, what about your computer? I could just send them an email. Sorry, (laughs) ma'am. We don't have access to that either. Oh, no. I decided a long time ago to cut that from the budget. But I'll go right out and look for your husband. Oh, his name is Jacob. Oh, and I'm I'm Marley, Ebenezer. Thank you for taking me in like this. <laughs> I'll be right back. The smell of the tea brought back memories I didn't want to dredge up. Fights with Jacob, arguments and outbursts from me, and the silence of a man resigned to something other than love. Bookshelves flanked the fireplace. There were pictures as well of smiling couples standing together, posing for the camera. A coffee table held a single candle, a Bible, and a purple book underneath. On the hearth were fireplace utensils. Beside them was a long-handled pot with two other smaller pots inside with the same size handles. They were gold and looked barely used. I was intrigued and might have gotten up for a closer look, but the door opened and Jay walked in. Ah, that smells pretty good, doesn't it? (laughs) Have some three bean chili cooking. It'll be ready in a little bit. What about Jacob? Yeah, uh, I found your car, but no sign of Jacob. Oh, no. Uh, I checked with the neighbors, too. 
It's nasty on the roads. Yeah. Almost got stuck even though I had four-wheel drive. You know, maybe he got a ride down the hill. I left a note on the front seat telling him where you are. I put the emergency flashes on, too. <laughs> but, uh, ooh, battery is pretty weak. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I suppose that's all we can do now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than pray. The old man disappeared into the kitchen and returned with a steaming bowl of chili with cornbread that tasted so sweet it melted in my mouth. He headed upstairs with another bowl, and Rue met him at the top, wagging his tail. I had finished my bowl when he returned. Ooh, yeah. You care for another bowl? No, I think I'm full. But that was delicious. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. So, Mm -hmm. tell me, who else is here? No one's here but my wife and me. She's resting upstairs. Oh, is, is something wrong with her? Um... Nothing time and life haven't done. And what brought you out to these parts? Uh, we were... We were on our way to an attorney's office to sign divorce papers. You've been planning this long? I told him more about us. More than I wanted. But it just seemed to spill out. Oh, that's a lot of years to be married. Yeah. What's the main reason for the divorce? Is Jacob abused you in some way? Oh, no. No, there's no abuse. Oh. Uh, is there another woman? I don't think so. His other woman is his work. Oh. Well, have you tried counseling? Yeah, a few times. A pastor once, a psychologist. Went to a marriage seminar a few years ago. Have you tried books Oh, about- look, look. Let me tell you about the books I've read, okay? They're stacked on my nightstand. Do not give me another book. Look, I've tried everything. Even called a radio program once, asking for advice. Nothing works. We're just not right for each other. But you were uh, at some point. Well, yeah, in the beginning, sure. Anyone can stay in love at the beginning, I think. But then through the years and with the kids, we just grew apart. He threw himself into his work and his hobbies and... My heart turned toward the children. And here you are 20 years later, strangers. Wow. (laughs) Strangers. Yeah, exactly. I told him everything. And Jay just sat there, listening attentively. And you mentioned a pastor. Uh, What about your spiritual life? You know, I know it's not true, but... It almost feels like I don't have any right to talk to God. Why is that? Well, I know it's a sin to get a divorce. That's how I was raised. And once God is ticked off at you, he's not going to listen to your prayers, so... Uh, Well, it's true that God hates divorce because of the pain and and heartache it creates, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't talk with him. He's a forgiving God. Hmm. (laughs) You sound like a pastor. (laughs) I guess, uh, in a way, I am. Years ago, this place was a funeral home. Didn't get much business way out here, so they sold it. And we turned it into a retreat center for struggling couples. Oh. Yeah, people who've given up for yeah, those who just want to grow closer. Yeah, yeah, those pictures on the walls are some of our graduates. Wait, you saved all of those marriages? <laughs> not me. <laughs> and sadly, not all of them were saved. Hmm. Yeah, people make their own choices. We can't control what anyone does, but we can be there to uh, walk with them. And many were right on the brink, like you. 
From where I sit, I'd say you were allowed this divine appointment for a purpose. Uh, no. No. Look, we've made up our minds, okay? There's no hope left. Yeah, yeah I've heard that a few times over the years. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I, I'd like to suggest something about hope. Why don't you and your husband hold on to the hope I have for you? How can you say that? You don't even know us. I'm going on experience. Most people don't want to throw away their marriage. Working together for 20 years and giving a lot of money to lawyers? Well, that just doesn't make sense. Though I wanted to change the subject, I couldn't. The old man's questions led me further toward the hurt and betrayal I felt at my husband for not seeing me, not noticing all I did to make our lives work. Of course, Jacob felt the same way, that I had not fully engaged in the relationship for some time, that I had given up, disengaged, that my mind was elsewhere even during lovemaking, which was true. Look, I know I'm not happy where I am, and neither is Jacob. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to complete each other. Anyway, I think God abandoned our marriage a long time ago. I'm just following him out the door. Well, maybe God has been closer than you know. Oh, come no, on. Even bringing you here suggests to me uh, that there's still hope. Look, I don't know how many ways I can say this. Oh, it's over. He's picked out his apartment. I get the house and the van, and we share custody of the kids. 20 years ago tonight, we started this journey, and now it's about to end. The old man sat by the fire and stared at the crumbling logs. The flames flickered and glistened off the polished exterior of the golden pots that had caught my eye earlier. <laughs> Those look old. Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> what do you use them for? Popcorn? Believe it or not, they're used to help the hopeless. What? Yeah, yeah. Marriages with no future. Couples get caught in the web of the past and present. Really? Mm -hmm. So how can a couple of gold pots restore a marriage? Oh, there are three, actually. Well, three then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can show you how they can help, um, but there's something I need from you first. Okay, what's that? You have to be willing. To do what? To hope, to change. Oh. These pots will open a new world. You you can't be forced to look at them, but once you do, oh, you can't help but respond. Uh, that sounds strange. I'm sure it does. And I, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't want to see, but uh, if you choose to, there's something you have to do. Which is? Be willing to believe in your marriage. Oh. That a future together is possible for you no. and your husband. No, no, I, I can't go there. Not after all we've been through. Hmm. Hmm. I understand. Yeah. Uh, let me get the back bedroom ready for you. Oh, no, no, I, I can't stay. I have to get home to my children. No, trust me, it's too dangerous to try and make it off the mountain tonight. What? No, no, no. The roads are next to impassable. Oh, no. As soon as the phone line is restored, you can call your family. Well, well what about your neighbors? Maybe their phones work. Oh, I, I checked with the nearest one while I was out. They don't have service either. As we sat talking, water filled my eyes, and I felt something quiver inside. What if I do give it a chance? What if I open up enough to consider there could be hope? Would that be enough? I wondered, then bravely asked, All right, I'm curious. How does it work? The pots, I mean. Good, good. Step outside, gather up some snow in this. 
you scoop it with your hands into the cup and you tap it down, get as much as you can, and then you bring it to me. I didn't have to go far to scoop the snow, and as quickly as I did, the act felt like foolishness. Why had I trusted this old man? Why had I let my heart be moved by his kind words or think there could be any kind of hope? I hurried inside. Oh, good work. Uh, Now, take the pan and put the snow inside and hold it over the fire. Wait, that's it? I'm supposed to melt snow and it's going to change my life? (laughs) Stir the melting snow. Just try. Okay, all right. You sure I don't have to click my heels and say there's no place like home? (laughs) Yeah, that's good. (laughs) I held the pot over the fire, and as I stirred, a faint echo of music floated upward. Steam rose and swirled in the fireplace, hovering under the flue, and I felt myself slipping, swaying. And in one uncontrolled moment, the scene simply cloaked me, and I was wholly taken in by the experience pictures from the past, images of children laughing, moments captured and frozen in time cascaded around me like snow, like a vast collage of my life. A dog I had known as a child, buttered popcorn spilled at a theater, my best friend and me eating muffins late at night, me crying through on Golden Pond. That's all, not you know. There he is, I said breathlessly. There was my husband, a young man again, Hair much darker and fuller, no receding hairline. Swarthy and full of life, and a smile that made my heart ache. The years had chipped away at his smile. Many long years had passed since the sight of him had stirred anything deep within me. Marley, Marley, I missed you. He looked so much younger, and so did I. Thinner, too. But we just had breakfast together this morning, Jacob. (laughs) Ah, exactly. It's been too long. (laughs) When I turned back to the happy scene, a misty vapor swathed me, and I walked through it, searching for our former life. I found us walking near a familiar lake on a moonless summer night. He was about to propose to me. I wanted to scream, to yell, caution, to stop the events about to unfold. The giving of the ring, down on one knee, tears of happiness, and another long embrace that melted into a kiss so passionate, I had to turn away. When I looked again, we had moved from lake shadows to candlelight in the little church where we were married. The gown, the smooth skin, the trim figures underneath the dress and tucks, and the voice of our pastor charging us to love until death do us part. Jacob had written his own vows. His deep, resonant voice cut through time, and with emotion he said, Your love has captured my heart. As long as it beats in my chest, I pledge to let nothing come between the love we will share in the years ahead, for it will take death's cold embrace to separate us. My eyes shut tight. We had loved until death. Unfortunately, It was love that died. The next scene was the arrival of our oldest, Becca. I uh, had said some awful things to my husband during that delivery. He just smiled and forgave me without question. As I watched, the rush of memory aroused an unwelcome internal conflict. 
I didn't want to be drawn to him, but I was, particularly when I saw his wonderment at tiny fingers and toes and drank in the wonder of a newborn. Look at her. She's so perfect. She's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Like her mother. Two people united around a shared infant. He even changed diapers, much to my surprise, and never complained about my nesting and the shuffling of furniture and the crib I returned three times in exchange because it just wasn't right for the room. But the scene changed again. This time, my husband and I were sitting together on the couch, Christmas wrapping paper strewn about the house, Becca playing with the boys. A smile passed between us, and Jacob said, Hey, Marley, why don't you let me clean up down here? What? Yes, yes, I'll watch the kids while you head upstairs and make use of the bath oils the kids gave you. No, I need to get lunch started. Nope. Upstairs for you. (laughs) Now, the kids will survive without you. And you just never know what tasty treat I might have up my sleeve for lunch. Had he really been that thoughtful? The warmth and noise of Christmas past quickly faded. And in a blink, Becca was nearly grown. We were in the car, heading to soccer practice. Mom, why do you and Dad fight so much? Oh, Becca, honey, we don't really fight. We just disagree about a lot of things. No, you fight. And you don't make up. It's like a tea kettle that's always ready to boil any time the heat's turned up. The scene changed again. We were sitting in a large church with a few hundred couples, listening to a man talk about going deeper in our marriage. I sat beside Jacob, and I thought he was uninterested in our marriage, at making it work. But when I looked more closely, there was something written in his conference notebook. I strained to see it at the bottom of the page, but he closed it quickly. The scene transitioned one more time to the very afternoon of the present day. We were saying goodbye to the children. David held on tightly to me, and I choked back the tears as I heard myself tell how soon we would be home. The door closed, and the three children went to the window to watch us. Where are they going? Probably more Christmas shopping. Yeah, probably more shopping. It's okay. Becca's face was the last thing I saw as the mist engulfed the scene. Drifting, floating, swirling like vapor rising, the mist parted and I saw the empty pot over the fire. I was too stunned to speak. The warmth and noise of Christmas past quickly faded, and in a blink, Becca was nearly grown. We were in the car, heading to soccer practice. Mom... Why do you and Dad fight so much? Oh, Becca, honey, we don't really fight. We just disagree about a lot of things. No, you fight. And you don't make up. It's like a tea kettle that's always ready to boil any time the heat's turned up. The scene changed again. We were sitting in a large church with a few hundred couples, listening to a man talk about going deeper in our marriage. I sat beside Jacob, and I thought he was uninterested in our marriage, at making it work. But when I looked more closely, there was something written in his conference notebook. I strained to see it at the bottom of the page, but he closed it quickly. 
the scene transitioned one more time to the very afternoon of the present day. We were saying goodbye to the children. David held on tightly to me, and I choked back the tears as I heard myself tell how soon we would be home. The door closed, and the three children went to the window to watch us. Where are they going? Probably more Christmas shopping. Yeah, probably more shopping. It's okay. Becca's face was the last thing I saw as the mist engulfed the scene. Drifting, floating, swirling like vapor rising, the mist parted and I saw the empty pot over the fire. I was too stunned to speak. Well, you've had quite an experience. But I didn't experience some of it. I didn't know what my children said. And I had no idea my husband had written anything down in that notebook. Well, the answers to the questions you now have will surface from the snow. What do you mean? The hope you have for your marriage will lead you forward. But I told you, we've made up our minds. It's over. Yes, but you also said you would give my hope for you a chance. The images spring from a desire for change. I want to check the phone. I try to call the children. Well, that's fine. Well, go and give it a shot. The phone was stillborn, as lifeless as my soul. On the kitchen table sat a plastic Tupperware tub. I took the bowl and opened the side door. I stepped onto the porch and scooped the snow into the bowl from the tabletop until it was overflowing. Then I took the second pot from the hearth and dumped the snow inside, making sure to drain every drop into the pan. I didn't want to miss anything. The curiosity of the second golden bowl beckoned, and I thrust its contents onto the fire. I closed my eyes as the mist ascended, and the power of the snow enveloped me. This time, I heard a voice crackling through a tinny speaker. It gave an June, ominous weather forecast. A storm like this for at least three decades. A freak storm that nobody could have prepared for. And that's obvious as the traffic reports continue to pile up. Just like a freak storm that had taken the region by surprise. Equally ominous traffic reports told of motorists stranded in cars and urged everyone to stay inside and not venture out. <laughs> Shh, quiet you guys. I'm trying to hear the weather. Hey, why don't we just watch a movie? There's no electricity, dope. That's why we can't turn on the lights. Will you two be quiet under that blanket? Also, Crockett Street, West Avenue, and Meadow Drive all closed. Accidents are all over the place. A rollover at Central Road, and get this, an eight hey, pile Hey, maybe that's Mom. Quiet. Mom? No, it's your Aunt Susan, Becca. Have you heard anything from your mom and dad? Not yet. And the electricity went off. Let me walk into my bedroom where it's quieter. The power was out. Are you kids okay? Aunt Susan, I'm scared. Uh, your dad's a good driver. Uh, you know, they're probably just stuck somewhere in a bad cell No, area. no, no. I don't mean that. Oh. I'm worried about them, but I'm scared something's happening. There was a letter on Dad's desk hmm. from a lawyer. Oh. I... I opened it. Oh, Becca, I'm so sorry. I'm sure they'll work it out. No, it's talking about a divorce and papers and their agreement... I don't understand most of it, but it looks like it's a done deal. Do you know anything about this? Honey, I'm so sorry. You know, we, we have been praying for your mom and dad. And 
I knew things were bad, but I didn't know they'd hired a lawyer. Why are they doing this? Oh, you just, you gotta pull together for your brothers. Let's just get you through tonight, and we'll deal with all of this, together. Okay, and, and know that we're praying for you, and you call me the minute you hear anything. When I looked again, Becca was gone, and there were my parents, dressed in their Sunday best, sitting close to each other in a Christmas Eve service at their retirement home, all dressed in bright reds and greens. When the pastor asked if there were any unspoken prayer requests, my mother clutched a wad of tissues in one hand and lifted it. He nodded as if he understood. She raised the tissues to her face, and my father put an arm around her and pulled her close. In the next scene, a figure sat at a makeshift computer table, a TV blaring a football game in the background. A beer in one hand and a mouse in the other, he navigated through his Facebook contacts. I closed my eyes. Do you know him? He's a friend I knew in high school. Oh, but you've uh, become reacquainted. Yeah, only online. It's nothing, really. I found his picture on Facebook and friended him. Mm-hmm. Wishing you a warm and happy Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's writing you, Marley. Oh, and there's more. Uh, hoping things go well with the kids in the coming days. Hoping there are better times ahead for you. Love, Eric. Mm. Doesn't write like he's just an old friend. I have lots of Facebook friends. How many of them sent you greetings on Christmas Eve? On your anniversary? On the day you were going to sign divorce papers. Okay, okay, all right. I'll admit there's a spark. Just remembering those early years. Yeah, something happened in your eyes when you saw him, Marley. When you read his message, light went on. I guess the thought did cross my mind that we could have a life together. He's coming out of a bad relationship, and he learned a lot from it. Like controlling his drinking? Yeah, well, I didn't know about that. He must have stock in Coors. Marley, Marley, you have a good chance at happiness. You have great kids. Your family loves you. The best hope for lifelong love is not with anyone but the one you said, I do, too. Thankfully, the scene changed again, this time to a small apartment. A woman with long brown hair carried a feverish child back and forth across the kitchen. The baby's croupy cough startled me, and the woman pulled the child close. When she turned, I recognized something in the face. Was this me, years earlier with Becca? A phone rang, and as the woman picked it up, the baby began a crying, coughing wail. This fever is up. I can't get it down. I don't know what to do. The voice. Her voice. My own daughter was a mother. No, I'm not calling Mom. I don't care if she could help. I'm not calling her. Slowly, the scene in the apartment faded. And I was in a loud, dark room filled with laughter and music. At a table in the corner, raising two drinks toward each other in clinking glasses, were two young men, ruddy and handsome, grizzled with a week's growth of beard. 
<laughs> to another Christmas Eve. Good to see you, Justin. <laughs> Same here, David. <sighs> it feels like yesterday, doesn't it? What? Oh, the accident? Yeah. Yeah, 20 years ago tonight. Can you believe it? And our lives changed forever. Yeah. I wonder how Becca is tonight. I don't think she and her husband are doing well, to be honest. Yeah, can't say I'm surprised, are you? Are you okay, David? Uh, sure, as long as I'm holding a uh, cold one here in my hand. Uh, but if I had to be honest, I'd, I'd say I'd feel lost. It's like there are a thousand roads to choose, and, and every one of them leads to a dead end. Every time I hear snow forecast or, or see the lights flicker during a power outage, I, it's like I'm right back there in the living room under those covers. Yeah, Christmas was never the same after that year, was it? Have you talked with Mom lately? No. Still hard getting past everything that happened. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's been 20 years. Maybe it's time. Thankfully, the disturbing scene at the bar faded. And then... Then I saw me. My hair was shorter, grayer in places, mainly at the roots, my arms a little flabby underneath. What concerned me most was the look on my face as the sounds of a football game blared from a nearby TV. I saw myself sorting through a grocery bag, and at the bottom was a six-pack of beer. No sooner had I put away the other bags than a much more portly Eric waddled into the kitchen. He grabbed one of the beers, then cursed because they weren't cold. He's going the fridge downstairs. Bring up the rest of the cores when you come back. I muttered something under my breath, and he turned toward me. What was that? Nothing. No, what'd you say? Nothing. I, hey! I, ow! Don't ignore Eric, me! Tell Eric, me what you said! Nothing! Nothing, Eric, please! Please let me go! I'll be right back! You better be. I trudged back up the steps with the remaining case of beer for the man of my dreams. <sighs> yeah, right. How had this happened? Had I spent 20 years with him? The steam sizzled and fizzled, and Rue stood by my side, watching the last of the snow vaporize into the air. I placed the pot by the hearth and took a breath. Anxious thoughts swirled like the raging storm. I checked the phone again. Dead. I found my flashlight and checked the garage. Jay's car was gone and the door was still up. Snow had piled and drifted over three feet deep with a set of tracks down the middle of the driveway. In the other bay sat a truck and I assumed it was four-wheel drive. Helpless, I went back inside the house and watched Rue run up the stairs. I followed, my footsteps echoing throughout the house. The wooden floor was slick and cold as I crept along. Using my flashlight, I moved to the end of the hall where a door stood open a few inches, just wide enough for Rue to slip through. On the outside was the word, peace. Uh, hello? Come in. You must be Marley. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, are, are you Jay's wife? <laughs> I've been expecting you. He told me what happened. Pull the chair over here so I can see you as we talk. Uh, no, I can't stay. I just I just wanted to ask if I could take your other car to look for my husband. 
Jay left to find him, and I'm concerned. With much effort, she pulled herself up to a sitting position. Her hair was white, and her face wrinkled, like the crumpled paper of a perfectionistic writer. Oh, oh, there. Now, what is it? Something's troubling you. Something you've seen, perhaps? Yes. I've seen something awful. You saw the future? The third pan. I put the snow in it by mistake. I I need to know. Is what I saw what might be or what will be? I want to know if it has to be this way or if the future can be changed. And you want to know if it can change. How do you change it? Yes, exactly. She blinked like a female Yoda, then closed her eyes and lifted a finger in the air and traced something unseen. (laughs) Just one snowflake changes the construction of the water. One choice changes the construction of a life. What feels like an accident changes everything. She kept her eyes closed, but was unable to repress a smile. Even though they were aged teeth, it was in that smile that I finally recognized. The chipped tooth, the faded brown eyes. Her face was a mirror that projected forward in time. I saw myself. I stepped back, trying to breathe, questions swirling. Wait, this, this, this can't be. You, you can't be. I am. But... But if you are, then Jay is, is Jacob? He is. But, but why didn't I recognize him? How could I have been so blind? Remember the story of the two on the road to Emmaus? They didn't recognize the one they loved as they walked along with Jesus. Their eyes were closed because of their own pain. Tell me. Did the things you saw in the melting snow make your heart yearn for another chance? For a different outcome to your life? Yes. Then this is it. What you see here is just as possible as what you saw in the snow. Neither is reality yet. But you can choose. You have seen two different futures, two differing paths for what may lie ahead. May. May. So it's not determined. The future can be changed. Yes. But what might be never will be unless you make the choice to move toward your husband. What could be will never be known if it's abandoned. You'll never experience the joy and tenderness of a lifelong love unless you fight for it. I know that now. The question is, will you? I've been trying so hard. I've been working at the relationship for so long. It's not about trying harder. 
It's allowing God to do something you can't. That's what it's always been about. For the two on the road 2,000 years ago, and the men on the road tonight. But you will never know what might become of your marriage, what life you might give to others, if you don't take a step. I... I don't understand all of this, but thank you. Thank you. Now, hurry along. Okay. Follow your heart. And your husband? Yes. <laughs> Take the truck in the garage. Get to them. Okay. You've already made your choice. I can tell. With the truck in four-wheel drive, I spun the wheels and noticed the soft glow of light coming from the second-floor window, and then the house disappeared through the trees and the curtain of snow. It took several minutes to find the main road, then I took the right turn too quickly and my back end fishtailed. I spun into the turn and slid, hitting the brake down a steep slope. I was concentrating so hard on keeping my momentum without plunging over the edge that I didn't see the yellow flashers until I was on top of them. Only two choices. I could swerve or hit the brake and hope. Instinctively, I hit the brake pedal. No! I shouted, unable to steer or stop the car. I threw up my hands, covered my eyes, and for the first time in as long as I could remember, released a prayer from the heart. God, help me. Show me what to do. That prayer was the last thing I remembered before opening my eyes. The surroundings blurry. I recognized a voice before I saw any face. Mom! Hey, guys! She's awake! She's back! Becca wasn't older, with a crying baby. She was my daughter again. David and Justin were beside her. My head felt like it had been twisted around and smacked with a tire iron a few times. The flash of memory was all I needed for my eyes to go blurry again, this time with tears. We were worried, Mom. The lights went out. When you didn't come home, we were all alone. Becca did a good job of taking care of us all. You guys did great. Here comes the nurse. Well, if it isn't Mrs. Ebenezer herself. Well, probably not quite yourself yet. Well, how do you feel this morning? Uh, well, really good, considering. Honey, let's check your blood pressure. How long have I been out? What day is this? It's Christmas Day. We need to come home so we can open presents. Well, we're going to check out your mom and make sure she's okay first, big guy, okay? <laughs> okay, well, your pulse is good. Mm, your blood pressure is good. How's the pain? Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a, about a 5, I think. I think I want to go home. <laughs> Here, just let me sit up. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> Just uh, wait. Wow. We're going to take care of your concussion first. Okay. Just, Just lay back, okay? I took her advice and put my head firmly on the pillow, turning to the window and watching a lazy snowfall outside. Suddenly a wave of panic swept over me, and I glanced at Becca. 
Wait. Wait, where's your father? Is he all right? Where's Jacob? Jacob? Marvin, Marvin, I'm here. Come on. Come on, open your eyes. Yeah. How do you feel? And there he was. Jacob. A few abrasions and a bandage on his forehead, but mostly okay. I couldn't help staring into those blue eyes. The crow's feet were mostly gone, and the wrinkled skin and gray hair were as well. But it was the same voice. I thought we'd lost you. I thought the same about you. Jacob, what happened? Uh, You were right about taking county line. I never should have chanced it. It was too slick. A truck broadsided us. Your side took the brunt. The paramedics had to get you out. And it took them a while just to get there. Do you remember any of it? Jacob. Jacob, something has happened. I I don't think I can really explain it, but it's like I've been... It's like I've been given a gift. Same here. Just having you awake on Christmas is a present for the kids. For all of us. Wait, we didn't sign the papers, did we? We we never, we never made it to the lawyer, right? No, no, but he still has everything ready. What? Why are you giving me that look? I have a question. Do you remember the marriage conference we went to a while ago? The one at at that church? Oh, yeah, sure. They, They had a conference notebook. We were supposed to take notes, and you wrote something down during one of the sessions. Just one thing. What was it? Come on, that was years ago, Marley. Jacob, what did you write? What was it? I have to know. Um, It was something the speaker said. Um, Marriage is worth fighting for. Look, uh, I know we agreed that the divorce would be the best thing for us and the kids. But I'm wondering if we could, if we could give it one more try. Boy, you really did get knocked in the head. Hey, but what about the apartment I picked I out? I don't and- think you should, uh, uh, unless you want to, uh, unless you, unless you feel like you just can't stay any longer. I have to tell you, um, I know my life won't be the same if we split up. Let me ask you, if you could change one little thing about our family, not a a big, huge change, just one little thing, one small regret, what would it be? One regret, but come on, there are so many. I I know, but come on, just one. What's the first thing that came to your mind? It's probably the pet thing the kids talk about. I think now... Ah, I'd let him have a dog. What? What's the matter? Did I say something wrong? No. No, that was a wonderful answer. Oh, right. Really, it was, it was wonderful. Oh. <laughs> well, what, what about you? Oh, Jacob. I have a million regrets. I've never really told you how much I appreciate how hard you work for us. I don't thank you for providing. Most of the time, I'm just crabbing about your hours. Or maybe it's how I look at you. I see your faults instead of the real you, who you're becoming. I always thought you were the one who needed to change and then I'd be happy for the 
first time I'm able to see myself. Wow. That's a lot better than letting the kids have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's just the truth. To be honest, though, it, it's been a long, cold season for us. I don't have a lot of hope. That's okay. You can hold on to mine. Hey, hey, hey. Our hands came together, and I looked into the eyes of the man I had begun the journey with so long ago. The mistakes, the choices, the life lived over 20 years. I've been thinking about the future, and I think it looks better with us together. All right. Then let's let's uh, work together. Let's make something good happen. <laughs> oh. I think we are in <laughs> Notice we've got company out there. Yeah. Would you look at those three rascals? <laughs> Outside, the snow fell harder. Choices descending like grace. The scene felt like a beginning. Imperfect people unwrapping the perfect gift. It was here I learned there is no barren place on earth that love cannot grow a garden. Not even your heart. Hi, I'm Gary Chapman. I hope you caught a word that Marley just used. It's one of the most important words for any thriving marriage. Choices. We face choices every day. And the difference between marriages that crash and those that thrive is almost always a choice. A series of choices. Big ones, small ones, everyday choices. But the choice to honor the Lord, to love your mate, is a choice you'll make a hundred times today. So, what kind of choices are you making? Choices that serve self or choices that serve your spouse? I encourage you, regardless of how far gone you think your marriage might be, choose to love your spouse right now with the very next choice you make. Then do it again and again and again, regardless of his or her response. Then watch and see what God does. For more help with your marriage, visit my website, fivelovelanguages.com. A Marriage Carol was written by Chris Fabry and Gary Chapman. Our cast included Roger Mueller as Jay and Jacob, with Amy Lilly as Marley. Others in the cast, Heather Seagard, Bill Davis, Lee Rugen, Lynette Jager, Rosalind Jordan, Dan Craig, Lucas DeFord, Gabe Johnson, and Jocelyn Jager as the infant Becca. Audio mix and mastering by Chris Seagard. A Marriage Carol was produced and directed by John Geiger and is a joint production of River North Fiction from Moody Publishers and Moody Radio. For the complete lineup of River North titles, visit moodypublishers.com.